You are listening right, to the Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and nothing but the Holy Backboard podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man today. Today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me, please. Join the record of the month club at www.joinvmp.com forward slash Holy Backboard. Let's I, guess, go. I guess you're not the only one tired. Let's get to the bottom. I'm a beaver. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I think this is now the Wash Podcast because we're we're tired at 9 p.m. now, but it is what it is. To be fair, it gets dark when I'm still at work at 4:30. It, it doesn't get light till like 8 o'clock. I really do enjoy winter, but man, the the amount of daylight is just trash. <laughs> I feel like that's that that's the that's the, the steez once it gets to this time of year, though. Maybe it's my age. I mean, I've always really walked to work. Now I'm having to take transportation. I, I don't know what it is, but it, it seems like I am like taking a nap on the bus every time I'm getting off. Uh, getting off of work every time the a blazer game's over, uh, I'm getting ready to go to bed. It's I used to be a night owl. I, used I know. To know. I remember when you were my age, sending me text messages about the blazers at like two a.m. type of shit. When you were when you were grinding, I remember those days. Now now you're now, now you're a little bit more comfy and go to bed at eight thirty. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. I guess it's the lie for me now. Yeah, no, I, I vividly remember asking you, please stop texting me at like three in the morning. I'm trying to sleep because you were just you're just making that fucking content for trailblazers. I get it, yo. I, I mean, you, you know, you were still awake. Sometimes I very much was, but golly, you 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 spent a lot of time and effort plan- doing those blazer things. I think that's why you're a sleepy bear now. I think, yeah, I need to make up for my uh, lost time. I think I need to go into hibernation. But I do not envy anyone working in the Trailblazers organization right now. I I know how it can be when the team goes on a slump. um, And the Blazers are most definitely slumping. uh, Losers of eight of their past 11. They are now uh, 13 and 11 on the season. Uh, Good enough for... That, that that perfect spot the Blazers love to slide into. The good old eighth seed out west, the 13 and 11 Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Sage, we just watched them get mopped by the, the Dallas Mavericks, 111 uh, 102. And funny story, we were going to podcast last night, Monday, which is our, our you know scheduled routine, but I was I had a stressful day at work. And I was extra tired and I was in bed at this time, which is, you know, a little after 9 p.m. And I was thinking, you know, trying to put a positive spin. Blazers have not looked so hot lately. Maybe we'll get right against the Mavericks and we'll have a little more positive outlook on the team for this episode. And what did they do? They come out and they give up 60 first half points to uh, the Dallas Mavs and were basically trying to play from behind and run uphill the entire game long. Made it kind of interesting i think they got it to within seven but nobody really believed they were going to come back and truth be told this was easily the most disinterested i've been in a blazer game Mm -hmm. all season long and in quite some time and unfortunately i think we're at the point in the in the season where 
I no longer am going to plan my weeks around Blazer games. Um, if I have to do something, I'll DVR it. I'll, I'll watch it later. Um, you know, if I have tickets, I'll obviously go. But I've always put the Blazers as a major priority in my life. But if they're not going to put out a, a quality product or in, in the case of tonight, if the guys aren't going to put out effort, I'm not going to watch. Mm. Well, I, I knew we were going to lose this game. We suck on the road, and Dallas is like 10-2 and two or 10-3 and three on the, at home, so it was just a bad recipe for us. And then they're a good defensive team. So I kind of knew going into this that this was going to be a bad one. But I did not expect J.J. Barea's old ass to carve us up like he was vintage Steve Nash. That's Barea's M.O. against us. He's done that forever. Uh Real quick before I get into the next point, I said I won't watch. I, I watch every game. I mean, I may not watch it, it live. I'll, I'll, I'll record it or go go to something else. But back to Berea, they were showing Andre Miller. He was the answer to the trivia question when he had 50-plus in Dallas uh, eight years ago. And goddamn, Dirk Nowitzki and J.J. Berea were both in that clip. It seems like they have been in Dallas for decades. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Dallas has been a tough place for us to play, but you know, Portland's gonna have to buck up a bit here because every team, probably outside of Phoenix, is gonna be a, a slugfest. And I think that's fine to have that point of view. I think that's uh, more of a, a glass half full approach. I think the glass half empty approach is if you watch how Portland's playing, it's not the fact that they're losing, it's how they're losing one they're getting boat raced by teams coming out of slumps portland is the new slump buster around the nba uh the defense utterly atrocious uh it's like they're not even listening to the coach um and it's it's like the the strategy isn't even even there for for the trailblazers i mean i think case in point is that san antonio game uh portland gave up 131 points to a Spurs team that at that time was averaging 108.5, which was 22nd in the entire NBA. Uh, We had so much success that second game of the year in Portland, double-teaming LaMarcus and making everyone else beat them. Yet we let him get into a rhythm. Everyone got going. And before you know it, a seven-point Portland lead turned into a 13-point Portland loss in the span of 12 minutes. And again, what makes this frustrating is you look at the schedule tonight, San Antonio, who had just lost, I think, by a combined 70 points uh, in their last two games prior to playing Portland, goes on the road to Utah and gives up 139 and loses by 34. It's the same song and dance we saw with this team uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks, who went on to uh, lose against the Suns after beating us by God knows how many points. And the same thing with the Warriors. We broke their slump. Sage, I posed this question on Twitter, but what the fuck is wrong with this team? What is wrong in Rip City? We were 10-3, and riding high off a 5-1 and homestand, and we looked like a legit playoff contender. Now, no one was going to say that we were going to win that the, you know, 10 and three is a 63 win game pace. No one was ever going to put money on that. Thought that was a realistic possibility, but no one also thought that we were going to lose eight of our next 11. So I'll pose the question again. What in the ever loving hell is the matter with this team? It's weird. It's like 
in the first quarter, we stay with teams. Once they make one adjustment and stop whatever the Blazers are doing, we go on a cold streak, and the, the, the opposing team keeps hitting at the rate that they were in the first quarter. The Blazers don't make that adjustment. Or if they talk about doing an adjustment, they don't execute that adjustment. And it happened tonight. Like, we were keeping pace, and then the Mavericks kept going, and we went on a drought. Like, it's obviously the defense is so bad that any team is going to just hit at a consistent clip all night long. We did have a good quarter in the third, but you know what? That second quarter, that first quarter where the Mavericks got that lead, it was hard to make up those points in, you know, half of basketball when the team just consistently scoring buckets. Like, it it looked like everyone was doing well except uh, Luca and... uh, Harrison and they still got his and beat us. I think the most it's the word I'm looking for maybe annoying facet uh, of watching this team play is when you hear whether it's the announcers or, or you know chatter it's like oh man the other team is just on fire it's just one of those nights. Uh, Dwight Powell apparently was only 20% from three before hitting back-to-back threes. And and yeah, I think there's a little truth to that. But when that's the same narrative, game after game, it no longer becomes the exception. It's the rule. This is the trend when you're playing the Trailblazers. You're going to shoot the lights out against us. Um, teams feel comfortable playing against our defense. We don't do anything that's going to take you out of what you want to do on the offensive end of the floor. Factor in... This team, like you said, whether it's not getting off to a, a good start or letting one quarter affect them, when that happens, their initial instinct is, oh, I got to do this all by myself, one versus five, you know, one pass, shoot, ISO, ISO, ISO. That's what this team's mantra and kind of really identity ha- has become they just aren't able to kind of put those bad stretches away and and get back to their game. They start unraveling and that's a little unnerving for a team that has been together for so long and has so many veteran players. I, I know the stats say we're one of the youngest teams, but our starters have played a lot of basketball. Our rotation guys, they're familiar. I mean, we're not Penny and Trent, and Wade, those dudes aren't aren't getting Caleb. Those dudes are aren't aren't getting the lion's share of the minutes. It, it's Dame, CJ, Chief, Nurk, Evan. Those guys have been around the block. They they know they know what's up. So to me, there are so many problems. It, it's really hard to get down to to the root. And you know, I think a lot of people want to find a scapegoat. I think that's natural human instinct. Here in this situation, there there is no scapegoat. There there's multiple scapegoats. Yeah, if you ask me, there's a lot me. of blame to be had. It's not just one singular player. It's everybody's messing up, and I mean, we need Dame to clean up her mess to get us to like a point where it's respectable. Like Dame is the only reason we're not in the lottery right now, man. Some would argue that's a better spot than where we're at, but we'll get to that in, in a second. Um, I, I would say blame goes to Neil Olshay. He really strung 
put tied our hands behind our back with with the summer of 2016. We have zero cap flexibility. Uh, we were unable again to sign impact free agents, and the players that he brought in, they simply do not fit. I think a lot of blame also goes to head coach Terry Stotts. While he was dealt a less than ideal hand, it's still a pretty damn good hand when I look at the rosters up and down the Western Conference. I mean, you can't tell me we're not a better team on paper than the Clippers, the Thunder, the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, even Denver. Mm. Those teams are all ahead of us and all playing a lot better basketball than we are right now. So, so um, is it, is so it, I, is what do you think is a Terry Stotts guy? What is the type of, uh, like, what is his archetype? What is the archetypal uh, Terry Stotts player? Terry Stotts wants somebody who is going to shoot the three, create his own shot on offense. Um, hustle. But if that's a Terry Stotts guy, why is Al Farouk in you know, Harkless playing the lion's share of minutes. One, we probably have, without hyperbole, maybe the worst group of threes and fours combined mm-hmm. in the entire NBA. So there really is no other options when you're speaking about Chief when, you know, I, I think he does deserve his minutes. Just there, there's really no other option there. And, and he busts his ass. I'll give him that. Um, but what I was, you know, pointing, alluding to stats gets, I think a free pass from a lot of uh, people, but we obviously have been pretty critical of, of his decisions probably for a couple of years now. And I think a lot of it pertains to the fact that yes, the roster is flawed, but there are some pieces that fit better than what he's trying to make fit. Mm. What I will I have, say, it, like Neil has done an okay job. If that's if the if the shooter create your own shot, he did an okay job at finding those players this summer, and he, it's just Terry's not putting them in a position to succeed all the time. He's going back to who he trusts, who you know have got him to the semifinals and stuff. I mean, I would I would say the things that appeased me about Stotts and he's done this for years, is how he handles young players and roles and responsibilities. This is The NBA is no different than, than the real world. When you're on a team, you're working on a project, you're working on an account, you have to have leadership from up top, and everybody has to know their, their role and their responsibility and what is expected of them. When you have a guy like Jake Lehman who is, is coming in, and he knows he's filling in for Mo Harkless, but he, he's starting and he's playing pretty good minutes and he's showing progression. Yes, everyone expects Mo to take that role over, but nobody expected Jake just to get completely eviscerated off of the face of the earth when it comes to the Trailblazers rotation. Mm-hmm. He has not seen, I don't think, any meaningful game action since Harkless returned seven games ago. And Harkless doesn't deserve those minutes yet. He's exactly. Working, he's and working I think his that's way a, back. Because everybody is going to need some games to, you know, reacclimate. Yeah, Harkless is in shape, but is he in basketball shape? No. And I bet you if you ask him that question, he'd say no as well. 
I would also say I don't think Harkless has deserved those starters minutes. Sure, mm-hmm. give it to him for you know a few games, but Sage, he has shown me absolutely nothing. And this is the same story with Mo Harkless is his consistent output. And I, I don't know if it's it's the role. I don't know if his game is suited for, for Stotts' offense, but he's a pretty athletic cat who I think could be a good defender if he had a if he had a better motor. Um I, I need to see more from Mo. And, and that's the weird it's, it's thing. It's been the same storyline with him that, that New York Mo, when is he going to come out? When are we going to get him? Sage, I don't want players like that anymore mm. where you have to know what type of effort you're going to get. Give me a dude who's going to be charged up for a full 48 minutes. It's weird because I distinctly remember us, you know, before Harkless got paid saying, damn, this dude's motor is crazy. What the fuck happened? Is it the money that made him not the hungry junkyard dog that I distinctly remember, like, us talking about three or four years ago? God. Like, yo, this dude could be the the stretch four of the future. We should see what he can do with that. He gets offensive boards like crazy. So is it the system telling him to run back defensively so he can't show the hustle and heart? Or has he stopped showing that, stopped being that hungry dog? I mean, I think that's something to definitely look for. And and again, it is difficult because you don't know what the system is being asked of the player. But at the same time, production needs to become pretty evident. The eye test can tell you who's going all out and who's not. And, and right now, to me, it's only Dame. Dame, Dame and Chief. Okay, I'll give Chief that. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're going balls to the wall and. Um, and I'm not saying the players are out there dogging it, but there are some guys who, who could be going harder. And I think that's what this team needs. If you're going through a losing streak, especially on the road, teams are not going to roll over for you. They smell blood in the water. They are going to attack. Um, other issues I have had with, with, with Terry and his rotations, Seth Curry is not an NBA player. I don't know how he's on an NBA roster. I'll be the first to admit I was excited for his signing. I thought he played well with Dallas in 16-17, obviously coming off of the the injury. But he cannot create his own shot at all. He has a slow release. He's not as accurate as advertised. And he is not a distributor. He should not be getting any minutes right now. I would rather develop a guy like uh, Simons, Trent, mm-hmm. or see if there's any magic left in, in what Wade Baldwin showed towards the end uh, of last season. Uh, I am completely over the So Seth- would you rather have just the roster spot than yes. Seth Curry? Okay. I, I, I'm with you because this is the time where we need a spark. He's not providing that spark for whatever reason. If we can find someone hungry that is willing to provide the spark, maybe someone on our own team, maybe in the like the free agency market, I think that open roster spot would be useful. And again, if it it's one thing if he could create his shot and he's just missing, he can't shake his defender. Watch him; he doesn't get open looks. He doesn't generate enough space for how slow. His exactly. Uh, and and lastly. Why does Evan Turner get so many minutes? And finish games, dude. Yes, exactly. Due to the roster, I can understand him leading a second unit as the point guard. Yeah, he can I eat don't, I don't like that. it. I absolutely do not like it because 
he, he's a walking turnover. I about mm-hmm. lost my shit watching him play in person against the Nuggets. But like you said, what pisses me off the most is you have Evan Turner as a small forward in a lineup with Damon CJ. Defenders are not going to respect his did outside you see the, Did you see the Mavericks' last play of the half? Okay. Because they left him so open, he could have shot a post shot, but he passed it up. Like, teams don't respect Evan Turner whatsoever, and we saw it with a young rookie in Luka Doncic saying, oh, I don't need to cover this dude. Let's double Dame. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy that, like, if if shooting and creating space and making buckets is such a thing with, with Stotts, why is he putting Evan Turner in in clutch moments? I would much rather, and you've seen success with other teams doing it, since small forward is such a valuable commodity, just go three guards. I don't care. If, who are we playing? Do you care if Harrison Barnes is posting up and that's their only offense in the last five minutes? No, because it's not as good as the free-flowing offense that Carlisle runs. If Nick Stauskas is getting bodied, it does not matter because his shooting is going to help Dame CJ and the spacing is going to help everybody on the floor. And Evan Turner's defense isn't as good as advertised. He's not good enough to be there in the finishing five when it's the most fu- important five minutes of the game. He just isn't. So I would much rather go with the three-guard lineup. And I remember Neil O'Shea talking about the three-guard lineup after the playoffs. He was like, you know, we're going against a team with four guards, three guards that are six, four and under. Why don't we use that strategy? It works fine. We go big with the the, the bigs, small with the wings. It seems to work for some teams. Maybe it will work for us. But we go the traditional lineup and get abused because people don't respect Evan Turner. And then lastly, so we've talked blame for Neil, blame for Terry. There is blame on the players as well. Absolutely. Don't, don't think they're getting off of this you know, without any any share uh, of what's been happening in Portland. And Terry, for for all reasonable, I think, discussions, is probably telling them, bust your ass on defense. He reportedly uh, laid into the team during halftime of the Orlando game, which, again, Portland almost blew, because they came out, you know, lackadaisical. And it was... After they had lost, you know, three straight games and they blew that lead against the Clippers and they thought, again, they were just so much better than Orlando that Orlando was going to roll over for them. And they didn't come out and it was a bullshit performance and Terry got into him. Um, So I think the players need to to really take ownership of what's going on and realize they're not hot shit. They're a team that's going to have to fucking scrap if they want to make a dent in this Western Conference and I saw on Twitter during the game, uh, Danny Morang uh, of Blazers Edge said this this game might spark a players-only meeting. And I, I tend to agree. That. I'm waiting for that, to be completely honest. Yeah. Because if I'm Dame, I am yelling at every. I'm like, what the, what the fuck? Do you guys want this? I mean, I saw Dame give it all he in that game. He was diving on the ground. Uh, in a regular season game... That's the Mavericks. He was diving, busting his ass. I think he almost hurt his ankle. Like, I, I could star player see doing that. 
What just the fuck the, do you think he's doing outside in the locker room and shit? Like, I could see in his eyes just how disgusted he was. Um, and again, if, if this keeps happening, Rip City, be prepared for those 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 Dame to whatever yeah, exactly. game trade scenarios. Exactly. I mean, get get ready for it. The more we lose, the more the media is gonna feed on this, and quite frankly, the more it could play into Dame's mind, being like, "Do I really want to play my prime years on a losing team?" Obviously, we 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 want to keep Dame, but if we're losing and he's busting his ass and he's not seeing it being reciprocated, I well, dude, like even I do this. I look at a team that's struggling. And I try and steal pick players from it. If you want Dame to stay here and feel confident about his situation, we need to win. Because if I'm doing this, could you imagine what a fan in LA is doing? Like trying to fit the money so shit can just get right for those dumbass ESPN trade machine articles. It's gonna keep happening if we lose. Like, yo, I do this shit. So I know other people are just thinking, oh, how do I improve my team by taking advantage of a team that's struggling? Shit happens all the time. And I know how sensitive Blazer fans are at, like, Dame leaving. We can't let Dame leave. Well, Blazers need to do Dame a favor and win some fucking games. Or that shit's going to be prevalent as fuck on Blazers Twitter. I mean, I think if you look at the salaries... Both Dame and CJ are signed through the 2021 season, so they each have two seasons after next. But uh, I think in reality, if things are going the way they are, I don't think any major move will be made during the off or during the regular season, especially with with ownership kind of in flux. But that would be the time to make a non-emotional you, you you remove the emotions from any decision with either of those players and i'm not advocating for trading away either of them i just want to make that abundantly clear but you don't want to go into the 2020 offseason having to move them with only one year left on their deal you want to do it with some sort of security and that's what you're seeing uh the thunder were able to give up at the time not perceived great pieces for ball george uh, I think the Spurs didn't get a huge return on, on Kawhi Leonard. So I think those would have been, and you look at the same thing with the Timberwolves, uh, you know, Covington and Sarich is okay, but Jimmy Butler is worth way, way more. Had those players had multiple years left on their deal mm. and the team receiving them was guaranteed to get multiple years from them, you know, boom, boom, stock, stock markets going up on, on those prospects. So, uh, I think whatever the Blazers do, I honestly think this might be their, their last year. Mm. And I say that because, you know, you read all of the articles, especially when Portland was playing well. There was all of those, you know, um, praise from the Blazers uh, from from Zach Lowe. And they mentioned, you know, there was a really – Stotts came probably pretty, pretty close to getting fired. I believe Phoenix kind of barked up that tree, wanted to uh, interview him. The Blazers denied that. But, you know, after getting swept – he thought there was a real chance that that could happen. I think if the team continues to underperform or even stays on that treadmill, we're, we're, we're going to see a change. And I, I want to say, like, if we were winning, don't you think this podcast would be like, man, 
when's Dame gonna sign this supermax contract to be here for five years at two hundred forty million? Like that is he is eligible to get the super super supermax. Like he can get enough money to like stay here for five years. That like supermax money. And I'm not saying this time is gonna be effective, but you know, it's something he has to think about. This shit sucks. He's seeing, you know, a high priced player not doing the same shit he's doing. He's seeing Neil pro I'm assuming Neil promised, you know, we're gonna get you this talent so we can compete in this Western conference and then not doing jack shit except trading away assets or letting assets go because of Whatever reason, honestly, I'm not sure why we still, I still don't know why we didn't re-sign Ed Davis, but like, that you, you keep seeing all these negative things, and your, 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 your manager is not telling, is telling you shit and not coming through with it, man. Eventually that's going to cause some distrust in his mind just a little bit. You know, I, I would say if, if you're a Blazer fan, buckle up. This is the team we're, we're dealt with through the end of next season. Um, I know it's tough for me because we're talking about 60 games the rest of this year, probably plus another 82 of Evan Turner. That's something I don't want to watch, but that is the state of, of reality here in, in, in Rip City when Neil handed out those four-year contracts in, in 2016. I think if I'm Portland, I'm looking for the future. I think Alfred Camino is – kind of like what Mason Plumley was mm-hmm. a couple of seasons ago, he's probably going to be traded at the deadline. Yes, but I was going to say um, he's going to fall victim to the Trailblazer performance. Plumley probably would have been kept had we had met, met expectations mm-hmm. that year, but he was going to be a free agent, and so we got what we could. We got Yusuf Nurkic in a first-round pick. Uh, I think the same is probably going to have to happen for for Chief. I just don't think this team, with him as the starting power forward, is going to make any waves at the moment in the Western Conference. And you don't want to have to take on uh, additional salary. And you obviously don't want him to to walk at at the end of the season for nothing in return. Um, but again, you really look at that that summer of 2020 when you only have Dame and CJ Nurk. Zach Collins, Simons, and Swanigan, and Gary Trent Jr. under contract. Um, Portland could be players in free agency, and I know everyone out there is rolling their eyes, laughing their laughing their heads off. Portland in free agency have have never been a match made in heaven. But there are two way there are three ways to get better in this league. One, internal development. We've got a couple of those cats on the team, but I don't know if there's any like real real difference makers like like a dame to the draft we know portland's history they start off well or they struggle and then they you know they they flip-flop and ultimately they'll they'll end up middle of the pack and they won't really have a high enough pick to find a difference maker and three free agency we all know portland's past here but there could be max room available in that summer um even more if you're able to shed CJ salary or trade him for um, somebody who makes less, um, but but maybe is, is equally as talented. Either way, whatever Portland does now, it should be to shed salary, not take anyone over a two-year deal 
I know I've seen a lot of trade rumors for Otto Porter Jr. Stay Not away from this, Stay away from these type of contracts. That's how this is a cycle, and we cannot get out of the cycle unless we're patient. So patience is gonna have to get us get us through this, um, because that's just the nature of of the beast. And the beast was the summer of 2016. They handed out four massive contracts. And here we are just playing the waiting game. And that's what it's going to have to be. So in the interim, let's see some internal development from Simons and Trent. Let's see what we can get for, for Collins. Can he continue to play like he did at the beginning of the year and continue to progress because we've liked what we've seen. Maybe he just needs a, a bigger role to help play through those, those, foul troubles um you know what does portland have i i I think this is a gut check time for the blazers we're i mean we've said this before 2020 that's when we're gonna have to make our move um until then it's gonna be a lot of patience i'm not certain if neil has relayed any sort of message to dame about that or what his future plans are um but let's hope that's the case because I think that's that might be one of the main reasons that could get Dame just to just to keep his head down and just say, okay, I I have faith that something is gonna get done. Um, because to me, that's the only bright spot I'm holding on to right now. And I know it's a slim slim glimmer of hope because free agents don't come to Portland, but you still never know until you try. And just because you have max money. Doesn't mean you have to spend it. Mm. Evan Turner, Neil Shea. <laughs> well, it's like I never, in the years that I've fucked with this team, I've never heard. You know, Neil O'Shea is outside of this player's house at twelve oh one. I don't think we ever make that strong, strong public effort. We might do it privately because we're such a private ass organization. But it's like, wouldn't it'd be nice to have Rip City Twitter all over Prospect A at the 1201 of free agency talking about how great Portland is, how you'll love playing for these fans, blah, 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 blah. I kind of think, like, Neil does it all private, and that's fine in some senses, but, like, you never get the, the, the fan base excited for this player. Like, if I was Neil O'Shea, and I know how hot my seat is right now, Everyone hates me. I would go all out if I'm still here in free agency and try and score us a, a someone to be excited about, not brag about getting second place from Chandler Parsons and Hassan Whiteside. Two dudes that Hassan walked off, like Hassan didn't play in the fourth quarter and got mad and stormed off. I don't know what the fuck Chandler Parsons is doing, so neither of those would have helped us in the long run. So it's like, I would love to see this team be more public and not the only bit of information going through is from Woj because Neil O'Shea is friends with them. I would like to see a full out effort to get a free agency when we do have, when we in fact have money. So 2020 is obviously a long, long, painful ways away. If you're a trailblazer fan Sage, looking at this year, what do you want to see happen? Um, for me, I'm just tired of being teased. I, I sent out a tweet um, a couple of days ago, and I think that's really what bothers me the most is, you know, you look at two years ago, we stumble out of the gate, everything looks like shit, but oh, there's a chance we're going to get a really good lottery pick. 
oh, all of a sudden we trade for Yusuf Nurkic. Nurk Fever takes over, and then he gets hurt, and then we get swept by the Warriors. Bummer. Okay, but, you know, he, we looked really good with Nurk. Okay, next year, skinny Nurk starts. And we, again, start out like shit. Oh, but wait, 13-game win streak, 49 wins, number three seed, Dame's first team All-NBA. Number one rebounding. Oh, we get swept by the Pelicans. Okay. This year, not really expecting much. Oh, sweet. 10-3 and three to start the season. We're looking great. We're beating, you know, legit teams like uh, the Celtics and, and the Bucks. And, you know, it, it's starting to feel like this team's finally clicking. And that, that year, they extra year they gave stops is worth it. And how do they repay us? Three and eight over the next 11 games. We're getting boat raced by a ton of teams. Our defense looks invisible. And we're, we're back at, at this discussion. Are we as bad um, defensively as we were a few years ago? Remember, like, the whole we're a good defensive team if you look at the metrics last year? Are we as bad as when we couldn't talk about the defense, you know, two years ago? Is it that bad? Because I think the effort is even worse now. I think it's atrocious. I know scoring is up in the NBA, but we 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 regularly can can see this team give up 120, 130 points on a nightly basis. Um, I, I don't know the last time we've held an opponent under 100 points. It, it was the Boston game. They scored 94 points. And they, so, they they played like fucking dogs that second half. The Celtics were fucking trying. So, good shit, but that was in November, like the 2nd of November, because I took my mom to that game, I know. But, like, uh, it's, it, a lot of things are going bad right now, and we've talked about it. Let's, because, let, let, what has impressed you over the last 15 games? What have we improved on? Because, of course, there's a fuck ton of negative. What have we improved on? Um, I know you're trying to set me up with a softball question. No, no, no. I have no fucking idea what we're doing. What we've improved on. There has to be something. There literally has to be something. There's not. I can't remember how disengaged I've, I've been. I mean, again, it feels like there's there's stretches through every where I just I just get disengaged because the team continues to slump. Um, if you don't follow him, you should follow Blazers by Cigar. Um, if there's a podcast you don't have time to listen to, he recaps it all of the latest trade rumors. He's there, but he kind of summed up a lot of my sentiment. It's like we're watching the same story year after year after year, and we're kind of still stuck in the same mm-hmm. position, and nothing is changing. It seems like the team is content just making the playoffs and you know that that's the goal uh and rip stadium there's really no urgency um so i i would say nothing has really impressed me i mean zach collins had a couple of nice post moves that that were really great i think i would rather see him work on that than just spotting up and shooting shooting threes i think you know myers has has actually played really well Mm -hmm. and is Again, he didn't get any run tonight for Magic really. I don't reasons. know know what reason. I think he could have spaced out the floor a bit, and he's been dunking everything at sight. Maybe he, you know, turns himself in, into a, a tradable asset. But he's he's been balling. I mean, given given the, the time, I've been really impressed with what he's done. Um, Stauskas uh, again, another player who needs 
a lot more playing time. He should be taking time away from Harkless, from Turner, and from Curry. He has a really nice uh, rapport with uh, Zach Collins. Their chemistry on court is fantastic. When those two play together, they always seem to be on the the giving and receiving end of a highlight dunk. Um, he puts the ball on the floor a lot better than I thought. Um, and then Dame, you know, yep, Dame. That's the one I was reason. waiting for. Yeah, Dame's the only reason I think to tune into this team. Uh, it's scary to think without his franchise and career high ten three pointers and forty one points against the Orlando Magic, we could be talking about a, a six game losing streak. So, um, you know, really just just shout out to Dame. Like he's, he's I don't know. he he's is the ball right now. He is the reason we have not lost every single game by twenty. Like he, the fact is, he is still trying extremely hard every single game. And Myers is playing well. Stauskas is playing. But you know what? They aren't going to get you wins. Damian Lillard is still trying. And like as people have heard, this is a pretty depressing-ass podcast. We still have a top point guard doing his thing and trying hard. And I know plenty of point guards in my you know career of watching basketball that would be unmotivated now. And I'm sure you have too. So at least our guy is still trying, diving on the floor, giving his all 100% of the time. So I'm thankful for that. Um, man. Shout out to him. He's like, we, we don't talk about him nearly enough on this podcast because he's so consistently good. Like, you look at his career every year. He's improving on stuff, but he's still putting up fantastic stats. Like, that is Blazers basketball right now. And, you know, I thank him for all that. I think that's a, a great segue into... A commercial break from our sponsors. Once we return, we will preview the two-game week against the Suns and the Timberwolves. For you, the listeners of Holy Backward, Vinyl Me Please is a vinyl record of the month club. The best record club, in fact. Every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection and sends it to thousands of members worldwide. We celebrate one incredible vinyl record every month and send an exclusive pressing of it right to your door. We'll also include an original 12 by 12 album-inspired art print and a paired cocktail recipe to sweeten the deal even more. When we say special edition, we're not messing around. We work closely with both label and artists to come up with something you actually can't find anywhere else. We're talking colored vinyl, custom lyric books, exclusive artwork, personal notes from the artist, and much, much more. The only thing that won't surprise you each month is how much you end up loving the music itself. We know that trusting someone else to curate your record collection can be scary. Like, really scary. You've had your whole life to fine-tune your taste, and we certainly don't want to get in the way. That's why we have swaps. With swaps, you can exchange a featured record with one from the VMP archive or a limited set of store titles. This way, even though you're trying new things, you won't be forced to take a title you already have, or you know in advance isn't right for you. There are no hidden fees either. We're not like that, okay? That read was by one of my good friends, Rainbow Light Bright. You can check out her Mixer stream at Mixer.com slash Rainbow Light Bright. And that's Rainbow Light Bright without the O in a rainbow. To support the Holy Backboard, though, go to jointhemp.com slash Holy Backboard. Again, that's jointhemp.com slash Holy Backboard. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here getting ready to talk. Phoenix and Minnesota, both at home, 
two game two game schedule this week. They seem winnable, but we also thought that about the Spurs and the Mavericks, and neither ended up in Portland's favor. Oh. Sage, does is Portland gonna? I know we usually go game by game, but I think for this team's sake, we just need to look at them combined. Can, can Portland come away with two wins? Can they stop the bleeding against Phoenix and then show some momentum and take that into Minnesota, a team they destroyed in Portland by 30, but then also got blown out in Minnesota a couple weeks ago by 16 points? I feel extremely confident that we beat Phoenix. Devin Booker's hurt, TJ Warren's hurt. They are like that rookie is playing major minutes. That team is in trouble. That's the one team that's just trash in the Western Conference. I feel very confident that we run that. Like, we beat the absolute shit out of Phoenix. Minnesota, on the other hand, I'm not feeling too confident. Maybe the, I think it's the recency bias of us losing winnable games that has got me feeling like this, but I feel totally confident about the Phoenix game. I, that many, I, I, I can't say, yeah, I think it's a toss-up, honestly, because of how we've been playing, but maybe Dame gets 10 more threes. I don't know. I'll say I think we do beat Phoenix, but if you're a Blazer fan, you want to you want to watch this team and come away with like I feel tired watching them because they gave every ounce of energy that they had on that court. Um, this is a team that is struggling. Uh, the Phoenix Suns put up nine points in a quarter against the Sacramento Kings. Like you mentioned, all of their injuries. They are tanking right now already. I mean, they heard the boos raining down from them at home. This game will be in Portland. And the Blazers need to go into panic mode in the sense of, okay, we if we lose this game, this could really spiral our season out of control. I want to see Portland come out, and I want to see them lay it all on the line, and I want to see a 20-fucking-point victory. It's about time we played a full 48-minute game and put – our foot on the gas and went pedal to the metal all the way through the finish line because there's no way these boys should be hanging around the Blazers. I want to see whichever rookie is suited up. I want to see, you know, Zach. I want to see Caleb. I want to see Wade in that fourth quarter getting a ton of minutes because we are boat racing the shit out of Phoenix. I think that is a great takeaway if you're a Blazer fan watching that game because hopefully that will start us that will that will kickstart us back it back into gear because we still have a tough month of december and we go out on the road quite frequently Uh, yes we play golden state twice we have utah twice we have memphis uh we have philly we have toronto uh and we have uh memphis twice actually and we go to houston um which can always give you buckets and they probably could against this blazer defense what you don't want to see, though, is Portland have to grind out a gritty, gutty win over the Suns. Like you, you said it, Sage. This Suns team is bad. We need to beat them handily. Otherwise, I a, a loss would be complete panic, pandemonium. A sluggish win is like, oh shit! I think here we go again. Well, it's like let's just look back at two weeks ago. We were playing the New York Knicks and didn't step out, step on their throats, and they played some really cl- good ball, and we I think we only won by four points. 
That is a total, total option of what could happen in this game. Like, we just underestimate them. I think that's a possibility, but I think that we just out-talent them. It's not gritty at all. We just play, we just have Damian Lillard and they have a bunch of no-names. I think we get this win, but man, it's not going to be impressive. It's just going to be, we have more play, better players. It's not effort, passion, and pride. It's just better talent. Minnesota. Didn't Jeff T go absolutely insane against us? Or was that Derek Rose? No, Rose had a solid night, and he's been playing really good basketball lately. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns didn't really even have a good night, and, and they still beat us by 16. Was it the Rob uh, and Sarch show? I should just look at the stats. No, Sarch did not play well. Covington hit some big threes. Uh, Wiggins hit some big buckets. Um, it was just a nice team effort for Minnesota. I'm going to say Portland gets their groove back, and again, I keep pointing out all of the flaws yet predicting wins because I – still see this Blazer team on paper as much better. And to be quite honest, I think they have to go 2-0 this week. Um, you're at home. You you don't want to start sinking in the playoff standings because you're not just trying to beat one or two teams up the playoff lot. You're trying to knock mm-hmm. off six or seven teams. Yeah, you have to keep pace. You have to keep pace. So, you know, I'm at – I think this is my turning point in the season. I, it's, it's tough that it's came 24 games in. If Portland doesn't go 2-0, I think you have to start viewing losses as, as good as wins. And I think you really need to see, you know, is it time to maybe go into the lottery? Because there are better chances this year. Uh, I don't want to see the Blazers end up in the eighth seed. And if you're going to do something, do it well. Mm. And that's if you're going to lose, if we're going to lose, if I'm going to watch shitty basketball, I want to at least know there's a chance at a good prize at the end of the at the end mm. of the show. Um, but if we win the two, okay, then let's 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 re-kick it off. You know, let's hit the reset button on these past 11 games and let's do some damage because I do think this team is talented. But my biggest beef over the past probably three or four seasons, pick a direction and they, they, they've been incapable of doing so. So the way you talked about it, man, it, it, you know, I'm looking at the quote right now. Because there ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. Scared to death, scared to look. They shook. We need to pick a side. We need to pick a side. Are we winning games or are we losing? Because being in the middle is awful. And especially in basketball when you need to pick that side. Are we going to win and lose? Like, recipes to prodigy. Like, that is the... That's the discussion that Terry and Neil need to be having. Are we going to get our shit together? Or are we just going to start losing and then both of us be fired? I mean, I can't think of a better way to end a podcast than with some, you know, shook ones from from Mob Deep. So that's all I've got. You got any shout outs, bud? Uh, no, nah, man. Just I know, it's, I know it's rough. I know it's rough out there, Trailblazers. But you know what? Dustin and I know how the fuck you feel. It's rough. I'm not gonna spin any positivity. Dame's good. There's some other players that are playing hard, but this shit is rough. And we're here with you. So if you fuck with us. You know, tell some people about some real shit. There is no other Blazers podcast that is going to quote Shook ones to end the fucking show. And, uh, I have to, you know, I, I think it's time to wrap it up, man. Thank you to everybody who's listening. We out of here, man. Let's go Blazers. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. 
Good night, everybody. Let's go!